is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, You know, I watch this as more information comes out. We now have the, uh, the five terrorists released from Guantanamo Bay by Obama. Obama released a lot of terrorists, actually. Uh, so did Clinton, and so did Carter. Domestic terrorists. But they released these, uh, this gang of five for a traitor. And of course they promised they would not go back to the battlefield. And that was good enough for Obama. So Obama has blood on his hands too. It's time that people be held at least publicly to account. That they be shamed. That they be called out. That they are called out. Because what's happened here, ladies and gentlemen, will go down in history, hundreds of years from now. Hundreds of years from now. As one of the most preposterous, appalling surrenders by any superpower in history of mankind. We surrendered. I'm tired of these people who write, who go on TV and so forth, and say, we never should have been there, we never should have been there. Really, we never should have been there? Almost 3,000 of our people slaughtered? The Taliban give Al-Qaeda a safe haven? Can you think of any president, any great president who would have tolerated that, from George Washington and Thomas Jefferson to Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant? To Theodore Roosevelt and Coolidge? To Dwight Eisenhower and Ronald Reagan and beyond? Do you think they would have left a terrorist cell? In a place where Americans were slaughtered? More deaths, as I recall, than Pearl Harbor? 
In this comment, everybody agrees we should have gotten out. I'm sorry. After I listened to the British commander of Afghan forces, Richard Kemp, retired Colonel Richard Kemp, and retired four-star General Jack Keane, these are smart men. 2,500 non-combat, non-combat military personnel, federal contractors keeping up the maintenance and the parts of the Afghan Air Force, such as it is, and then departing our main Air Force, which was totally secure, in the middle of the night, without telling the Afghan military, is outrageous. The whole thing is outrageous. If I were to tell you today, just to underscore what I said last night, that if we put 2,500 non-combat personnel, mostly intelligence, mostly facilitators, and federal contractors to assist the Taliban Air Force, that we could effectively neutralize Afghanistan, not win, not impose a Jeffersonian democracy, but neutralize it. I think most people would say yes today. Yet, you ought to see the polls, by the way. The American people agree with me. Because it's common sense. We get caught up in the static of the isolationists who condemn everyone and anything in the Defense Department. Many of those are your sons and your daughters. They don't deserve condemnation. The senior ranks need to be cleaned out. No question about it. The senior ranks need to be cleaned out. Senior ranks of the FBI need to be cleaned out. Senior ranks of our intel services need to be cleaned out. And the funny thing is, when Donald Trump sought to do that, he was brutalized. The media went to Mattis and Kelly and and the rest of them. The idea that Millie's still around is a, is a pathetic, a pathetic situation. But that said, should we take 28,000 troops out of South Korea? That's been a lot longer than Afghanistan. Tens of thousands of troops, I don't know how many, in NATO and the rest of Europe, should we remove them too? Should we do all the communist Chinese and Russians bidding for them? And then what? We wait to get hit? So their navies can sit off our coast? It's insanity what I'm hearing right now. But then, you look at Biden and the situation in Afghanistan. We are negotiating and working with the Taliban terrorists who helped slaughter 3,000 American citizens on 9-11. On the, on the airport, on the evacuation. My stepson David, very shrewd, says, what we're, de- 
we're negotiating with the Taliban. What are we giving them? You think they're just being nice? What are we giving them in exchange for allowing us to evacuate Americans? Because if they're listening to the Iranians, they know that they can get anything they want. Because with the Biden presidency negotiating with the Iranians, they are getting everything they want. So now the Taliban has encircled the airport at Kabul. Do you know why they've done that? Anybody know why they've done that? Because they are going to slaughter any person, any person who is an Afghan, who, number one, in any way, directly and indirectly, supported our efforts and the efforts of our allies, and number two, doesn't live the life that they demand. People trying to get to the airport are being beaten to a pulp. Thirty to forty or fifty thousand individuals trying to get to the United States as refugees because they helped us can't get to the airport. They can't get to the airport. There's at least eleven thousand Americans there. They're not sure how many. How are they going to get to the airport? In the multiple press conferences that were held by the National Security Advisor, who is a pathetic joke, by the Press Secretary, pathetic joke, by the Press Secretary to the Secretary of Defense, a shameless former admiral, none of them can answer the question. How are they going to get to the airport? How are American citizens going to get to the airport? And this is a potential for another kidnapping scenario. As others have pointed out correctly. Like Iran. Remember that? There's a gentleman by the name of Karim Sajadapur. Senior fellow Carnegie, uh, Carnegie Endowment. Adjunct professor Georgetown. I know nothing about the man. First question from Taliban to Al Jazeera, female reporter, asking about women's rights. Zabula Majahid, spokes, spokes barbarian for the Taliban, says women have rights as long as they follow Sharia law. There'll be free speech. And he says this is exactly how the Ayatollah Khomeini answered questions when he first came to power. Quote, quote. Freedom of speech, human rights, and women's rights will all be protected in accordance with Islamic law. And what that means with these barbarian throwbacks is none of these rights will be protected. They learned from the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, and now we have an Islamo-Nazi regime in Kabul. And you know why I use that phrase, Islamo-Nazi regime, to distinguish it from reformed Islam, the type that Zudi Jasser talks to us about, and so many Muslims do practice. This is 7th, 8th, 9th century 
barbarism. That's what we're talking about here. The people who keep saying that we should never have been there, we should have gotten out of there and so forth, if we're hit again, what will they say? If we're hit again, what will they say? Now, I started talking here behind this microphone with you. Actually, also last week. That we must secure this border now. Now, especially over the weekend, what's taken place, as we discussed yesterday, we must secure the border. We must secure the border. We are extremely vulnerable on that border. We're vulnerable, not just, it's bad enough, to drug cartels, to coyotes, to sex offenders, and all the rest that the evil underbelly of the earth has to offer. But now we are, we are exposed to terrorism in a way that we haven't been exposed since before 9-11. And we are led by a man who should not be President of the United States. And I'm still waiting for the Republicans in the House of Representatives to call for his impeachment. I'm still waiting for them to press the so-called moderate Democrats who are going to lose. If they don't immediately distance themselves from this narcissistic, egomaniacal old man who the press was so desperate to see in the Oval Office. Washington Examiner. Anna Giratelli. Homeland Security reporter. Unprecedented numbers of unknown or suspected terrorists. This is dated yesterday. Have crossed the southern border in recent months, outgoing Border Patrol chief said. Can you imagine what it's going to be like from this day forward? The head of the Border Patrol, Rodney Scott, told his 19,000 agents before retiring August 14 that their national security mission is paramount right now despite the Biden administration's focus on immigrant family, on migrant families and children who are coming across the U.S.-Mexico border at record rates. He said, quote, over and over again, I see other people talk about our mission, your mission, and the context of it being immigration or the current crisis today being an immigration crisis, he said in a video. I firmly believe that it is a national security crisis. Immigration is just a subcomponent of it, and right now it's just a cover for massive amounts of smuggling going across the southern border to include suspected terrorists. They call them TSDBs. At a level we have never seen before. At a level we have never seen before. That's a real threat. Do we have to wait to get hit? To have the courage to put in the Oval Office a commander-in-chief who has the best interests of our country in the forefront of his mind? I talked about this weeks ago, and it's now more imperative than ever. They impeached Donald Trump for nothing. And I'm not even saying that as a get-even. 
Are you kidding me? For a letter? For a phony incitement uh, allegation? Look what this man has done. Joe Biden. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. The Disclosure, writes the Associated Press, by Pentagon spokesman John Kirby that U.S. commanders are speaking with Taliban commanders is an indication that the new rulers of Afghanistan, uh, let's see, will not interfere with the evacuation. This piece is written as really cheerleading this administration. The media in this country, I mean, are so disgusting. Some of them are now asking serious questions, you know, after the fact, of course. Kirby would not discuss details of the Taliban arrangement. That's what, we, that's what we need to know. What are the details? What are we giving up? I don't think we'll know for some time. I want to thank the Democrats in Congress for calling Congress back in an emergency session and getting their committees working to find out what's going on in our national security and foreign policy. Now that we have more and more terrorists crossing the border, according to the former Border Control, uh, uh, Border Patrol leader and so forth, I want to thank Congress for, for their hard work appearing on TV and, and some of them hiding out, issuing press releases from their basements. Really, it's really fantastic. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. And again, I don't know Kareem Sajadpour, and I apologize for mispronouncing the name of the Carnegie Institute and so forth. And he tweets, For perspective, in 2019, only 13.4% of Afghans expressed sympathy for the Taliban which is lower than the percentage of Americans, 15%, who believe in QAnon. The Taliban are ruthless. Not popular, he points out. And uh, Glenn Greenwald, who's a very, very bright man, um, is very popular uh, these days, particularly uh, on the right with some individuals, uh, I agree with them from time to time. I disagree with them from time to time. Um, 
And he had posted, I don't see how the U.S. could have left without a Taliban takeover. The Taliban were always the Afghan people. He said there was no way to eradicate them, as has been promised and claimed going back to Bush. But if you're, but if you're someone who thinks the withdrawal plan was bad, that's Biden. And that's why Kareem Sajadapur points out 2019, only 13.4% of Afghans expressed sympathy for the Taliban. See, people don't understand this country very much. I have a number of friends who who escaped from Afghanistan over the years. One had a restaurant, unfortunately. It's, it, it doesn't exist anymore. It was a great restaurant. Years and years ago, I used to go there. He said the Taliban have nothing to do or are nothing like 90% of the people in Afghanistan. People think we're all, you know, a homogeneous People, a homogeneous kind, we're not, he said. These are the least educated individuals who've decided to distance themselves from the civil society. But they're willing to slaughter and be slaughtered. Which is not the case, typically, in a civil society. So, and when Biden says, or his people say, we don't want to be involved in the Civil War, who said we wanted to be involved in the Civil War? We're trying to defend ourselves. We were hit on 9-11. I didn't, I wasn't aware we wanted to be involved in the Civil War. There's lots of agendas being pushed out there, like the most fringe elements in the military, the most fringe elements in think tanks, showing up on radio and newspapers, on TV. I said we never should have done this. Well, the United States military is this. The United States military is the strongest on the face of the earth. Our leaders in the military are a disgrace. Not all, but too damn many of them. They undermine President Trump. When you look at what Madison Kelly did, they supported Biden for president. Are they happy now the tweets really upset them? They really believe January 6th was an insurrection? You see what's going on in Afghanistan? That's an insurrection. That's an insurrection. A couple hundred people breaching the Capitol building and some of them being let in who didn't breach it, that's not an insurrection. It's not to be supported, and I never have, and I never will. But that's not an insurrection. And it's amazing to see Nancy Pelosi, first out of the box, defending Joe Biden and his outstanding uh, evacuation, and then saying she's concerned about the girls and the women over there. No, she's not. Here's something we need to understand. Fundamentally, you need to understand this. These American Marxists, dressed up as Democrat Party officials and operatives, they don't care about victims. They're always talking about the perpetrators. In our own country. Oh, the poor criminal. Oh, they're in prison. Oh, they're getting long sentences. Oh, they're this race. Oh, they've done that. Oh, this, that, and the... How about the victims in their race? How about the victims that didn't do a damn thing? They never talk about victims or victims' rights. It's always the prisons are overcrowded, the highest percentage of prisoners, of this, that, and the other. 
They don't care about victims. They don't care about human life. It's not number one on their priority list. Abortion on demand, when you see that baby in the womb, our technology and science have advanced where we can see the baby, we know it's a baby, we know it can survive. They pretend it's not. Okay. If you lack a complete conscience, then you're not, life is not number one on your priority list. They speak words. You know, we believe in human rights and we're concerned about the women and the girls in Afghanistan. No, they're not. How are they concerned? What have they done to show that they're concerned? Anything? They're not concerned about them. I don't see the women in the Democrat Party marching to the White House concerned about the women and girls in Afghanistan. Do you? Do you? No, you don't. You know who else is silent? The squad, a.k.a. that communist slash Marxist cabal. You hear nothing from them. Where are they? I hear this, this Cori Bush. She just got a $100,000 book deal. Ooh. Talib is a landlord we found out. She's collecting rent. Ooh. These are frauds and phonies. And Marxists who live one way and promote another way. You see what's going on in Afghanistan? What do you think happens to a country that destroys, that destroys its unity? What do you think happens to a country that breeds hate and racism? See the white people over there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you're a black person and you don't agree with us? You belong over there with the white people. There's a lot of thinking like the Taliban, isn't there? Yes, there is. Pull down those monuments, don't you know? No, 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 the history. Destroy American history. It didn't begin 1770. It began 1619. And the nation is poisoned from the word go. Every white person is to be hated. Every black person is a victim. But that's not true. It doesn't matter. They're creating. Oppressed versus oppressor. And they're brainwashing people. And they want to brainwash them as young as possible. Freedom is a delicate thing, ladies and gentlemen. There's never been another country like this country. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I suspect there never will be. But it's important that we try and keep what we have. But these forces in our country, which have now populated the Democrat Party, populated the media, certainly populate academia this magnificence that you experience every day is being threatened in a severe and grave way and when the civil society collapses when the rule of law means nothing when the street is everything 
You get what you see dressed up as something else. You can see it in Afghanistan. You can see it in Iran. You can see it in the streets of China. You can see it in all these repressive regimes. The Democrat Party calling the Republican Party. Jim Crow. Biden doing this. And that you're oppressing the vote. Suppressing the vote. Projecting onto their opponents and projecting onto our system, which actually takes place in these horrific genocidal regimes. This is serious stuff. Trying to destroy this nation from within. The Democrat Party leaders are absolutely silent today. Mr. Peters, have we heard anything from Schumer? Durbin? Pelosi? Clyburn? Hoyer? AOC? Talib? Nothing. Nothing about women and children. Nothing. This is important to remember. This is important to remember. It's absolutely shocking. In our own country. It's not just the American Marxists, it's others. It's the isolationists and so forth. Get out, 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 get out. We don't fight 20-year wars. We're not fighting a 20-year war. Not a single American soldier died in the last year and a half. We pulled out our combat forces in 2014. But we have a president in Obama who released terrorists. Mass murders. Back to Afghanistan. But they promised they wouldn't go back to the battlefield. They promised. They promised. Obama knows that they lie. And Obama lied to us. And Obama has been buddies with domestic terrorists. Like Bill Ayers. And Obama has pardoned domestic terrorists. You want to talk about violence and incitement? There you are. Biden oversaw the massive spread of ISIS. The horrific torture, mass murder, abuse of women that took place. This guy has ice water in his veins. Look at him. Watch him when he talks and he squints and cringes. True narcissist. And a truly dumb man. Always has been. With a massive ego. Always has been. I'll be right back. Lovin. Politico, the morning cold and salt political poll showed support dropping twenty percent since April. For what? Support for Afghanistan withdrawal plummets as Taliban seize control. And I bet if the American people knew we're talking about 2,500 non-combat forces. Did you know it was 2,500 non-combat forces last week, ladies and gentlemen? It's not said much. But when we had the former 
commander for British forces in Afghanistan, Colonel Richard Kemp and four-star general, our friend, uh, former vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Jack Keenan, explaining these things to us and explaining how this collapse occurred sort of sets things right, which is why I try to use this program to take our time and walk through these issues. The results reflect the deteriorating situation in Afghanistan and a rapid Taliban takeover, and now amid the U.S. withdrawal from the country, and they explain what's taking place. When at, let's see here. Support for withdrawal remained at a partisan divide with 69% of Democrats, 31% of Republicans supporting it, Still just 38% of Democrats and 14% of Republicans reported the withdrawal is going well. Yeah, you have to literally be, uh, you know. When asked whether the U.S. should still withdraw its military presence, if this would create an opportunity for terrorist groups like al-Qaeda to establish operations in Afghanistan, voters were less supportive. Just 35% of participants said the American military should withdraw in this case, 48% saying it should not. That highlights, this highlights the fear of terrorism coming from the country. Of the voters surveyed, 38% said the U.S. should still withdraw if the Taliban regains control of most of Afghanistan. 48% of voters said the U.S. should probably or definitely not withdraw. That's a larger share than those who generally oppose the decision to withdraw. So, a larger percentage of those surveyed Americans opposed withdrawing now. Opposed withdrawing. And if they put in that poll, as I said, the question, did you know we're talking about 2,500 non-combat? I think it would be even larger than that. Because all you keep hearing is it's a 20-year war. And it's a hot war. And American lives are being lost last 18 months, not one was lost. In other words, after 20 years, things were actually working, in my view. Not beautifully. That's not the point. Working to our advantage, that they weren't able to build a terror network, they weren't able to, to conduct themselves and launch attacks to us. That's the whole point. That's why we were there. Not just to get Bin Laden. I hear that too. Well, we got Bin Laden. Let's get the hell out. But that wasn't the only thing. Now, those who say, you know, we should build a, a democracy there, I agree, that's ridiculous. But that's not what I'm talking about, is it? If you have a mortgage on your home, there's a good, and I want to talk when we come back after the top of the hour about President Trump, because I think he's getting a bum's rap here, big time. If you have a mortgage on your home, there's a good chance you can find a better rate or more comfortable loan terms. And I mean it. The market's in your favor when it comes to home financing. Rates are still around 3%. The adverse market fee is gone. It all adds up to significant savings, both short-term and long-term. Unless you wait. Unless you wait. What goes down must come up. Oh, yes. Here's a quick montage of National Security Advisor says we knew it was possible Taliban would take over. Biden says that was highly unlikely. Cut one, go. Uh, we were clear-eyed going in when we made this decision that it was 
possible that the Taliban would end up in control of Afghanistan. But the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. And now the intelligence agencies are leaking, saying, we told Biden, we told Biden. You know, 10 years ago, I would have said, I'll bet they did. Now I say, they're all covering their asses. They're all covering their butts. The intelligence agencies, the senior brass at the Defense Department, Biden's staff. Biden's out there, like the knucklehead he is. You know, it's not funny anymore. It's not funny, oh, the guy's dimension, so it's a dangerous, and in some ways even evil man, who's way, way over his head. I'll be right back. Here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Can we guarantee that all Americans will get out of Afghanistan? Jen Psaki was asked this question today. Cut nine, go. Can you offer any guarantee to the Americans and Afghan allies that if they remain there past the end of the month, U.S. troops will help them evacuate past the end of the month. Weisha, our our focus right now is uh, undoing the work at hand and on the task at hand, and that is day by day getting as many American citizens, as many SIV applicants, as many members of a vulnerable population who are eligible to be evacuated to the airport and out on planes. Uh, And we're going to do that in an expeditious fashion. That is the focus of the president, of our secretary of defense, of our secretary of of state, uh, and everybody on our national security team. Uh, So that, that is where we will keep our efforts. Too bad that wasn't the focus before. And moreover, the Taliban are surrounding the airport. How's that going to happen? I mean, I'm just, it's common to, how is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? And to what extent are they blackmailing the Biden administration in order to accommodate our demands? We know that Biden capitulates. We know we have one of the worst secretaries of state in the history of the Department of State. We know we have a national security advisor who would be better as a librarian, and I'm not putting down librarians. So Ned Price at the State Department press briefing today, so we don't hear from the president, we don't hear from the vice president, I don't know where the hell she is. How are you going to help Americans get to the Kabul airport? Now this is my point. Cut 10, go. Ned, that's not my question. My question is, are you providing any kind of transportation for people who need to get to the airport? Are you considering a safe zone around the airport to make it easier for people to access these flights if they qualify? Uh, we are doing everything we can in a challenging and dynamic security environment. We are engaging uh, with the Taliban. We've heard these assurances of safe passage. Uh, again, their words are only worth 
uh, their words. We are going to be looking for follow through. Uh, we are but going to be not following through is what I'm telling you. We are, we are watching very closely, Christina. This is a you want to watch closely. They surrounded the airport, dummy. They surrounded the airport. Go ahead. As I uh, my colleague mentioned, we notified the first uh, tranche of American citizens in. Now uh, we have Af- tranches of citizens. You believe that, Mr. Producer? The first tranche of American citizens. Like we're dealing with cash or currency. The first tranche of American citizens. Go ahead. They who had, uh, well, overnight I should say, who had uh, expressed an interest uh, in being repatriated. Well, to- let, me, let me say this to you, knucklehead. If you didn't realize how fast the Taliban could, could take over the country, then how did you expect American citizens who don't have access to any information to anticipate the Taliban would take over the country this fast. So the first trunch, we're talking about all American citizens, not the first trunch. Now I'm telling you now, and this is where I want to depart from this for a moment. They keep saying Donald Trump negotiated with the Taliban. He did. That Donald Trump said we should get out of Afghanistan. He certainly did. And Donald Trump said we should get out of Syria. And Donald Trump said we should get out of Iraq. We're not totally out of Iraq and we're not totally out of Syria. Now what is this all about? Trump is not an ideologue. He's a principled man. A principled man who sets goals for our country. But he's not an ideologue. He's not wedded to a certain approach if he understands it's not going to work. And he certainly isn't going to tolerate the abuse of Americans, let alone potentially thousands of American hostages. He left a force in Syria to guard the oil fields, among other things. He left the force in Iraq. He ordered his generals in their own way to destroy ISIS and the caliphate. He warned the Syrians not to use gas against their own citizens. They did it twice. He pounded them twice. He got out of the Iran deal. He didn't want to subsidize a terrorist regime. And he choked off that regime. And when that regime launched attacks against our embassy in Iraq and the isolationists in our country, both of the right and of the left, said, don't respond, don't respond. He responded. He took out the head of the Republican Guard. Had him blown out. He had the head of ISIS blown out. Biden is no Donald Trump, ladies and gentlemen. Biden is no Donald Trump. I was thinking about this earlier today. You remember in Afghanistan a few years back? Even though Trump wanted to get us out of Afghanistan. And I want to get into that phrase in a second, too. Even then, when the Taliban were organizing for an offensive several years ago, 
And they were aware of their underground tunnels. And thousands of them had gathered under these, in these underground tunnels. Remember what he did, America? Remember what he did, Mr. Producer? They dropped the biggest conventional weapon we have, short of a nuclear weapon, on their heads, killing, potentially, thousands of them. That's what he did. Do you know why he moved the dates for leaving Afghanistan? Because when the Taliban were seen as maneuvering, preparing military operations, he hit them with the United States Air Force. Donald Trump's no fool. He's not a pacifist. He's not an isolationist. And every time Donald Trump defended the American soldiers, defended our allies, whether in the Middle East or Afghanistan, he was attacked by the isolationists. He was attacked. He, you see, was instigating war. Do any of you believe that what has occurred and the way it has occurred in Afghanistan could have possibly happened under Donald Trump? Is there any evidence whatsoever? There's none. He never appeased our enemies. Even North Korea. He felt that he, he should be talking to them, like it or not. And he talked to Um. But he gave up nothing. He gave up nothing. It was Donald Trump who stared down Putin. And again he was attacked for this. And put the most severe sanctions on the oligarchs around Putin. And cut off their pipeline. Cut off their pipeline. Joe Biden opened it up for them. It was Donald Trump who confronted the communist Chinese. He used tariffs not just to deal with their economic cheating and their stealing of our technology, but he understood how the Soviet Union fell with the power of the American economic system. And he began sending arms to Taiwan. And he began demanding that Japan spend more money on its own defenses. And he demanded that NATO spend money on its own defenses. We would too, but they needed to step up. Does that sound like Donald Trump would give in to terrorists? He secured the border like no president in my lifetime. None. Because he feared what was coming across the border. We're blind. We don't know. We don't know. And he swore there'd be no 9-11 on his watch. Does that sound like Joe Biden in any way? They talk about Trump. They tried to paint him as a racist. They tried to paint Trump as a racist. As anti-Muslim. This group CARE and the other Hamas and other organizations linked to the Muslim Brotherhood and the, and the throwbacks to the 7th, 8th, and 9th century. 
It's Joe Biden. First as vice president, now as president, who's caused more Muslims to be victims and to be slaughtered than any modern president or vice president. Not Trump. Not Trump. No way. Not for one second should you believe with thousands and thousands of Americans on the ground would Donald Trump have done this or have tolerated this. Not for one second. No way. And there's simply nothing to support such devious and diabolical propaganda and diversion. We have Neville Chamberlain. We have worse than Neville Chamberlain in the Oval Office right now. We now have forces aligning against us that we haven't had in any significant way. We now have nation states like China and Russia and others, Iran, teaming up with terrorist organizations. And now one of them just took Afghanistan because, ladies and gentlemen, we were not defeated in Afghanistan. We surrendered. We surrendered. Donald Trump would never have surrendered. Biden surrendered. And he left all those Americans to fend for themselves. He left all of our allies to fend for themselves. The man is coming back from Camp David tonight. I don't know how he lives with himself. I don't know how the Joint Chiefs of Staff lives with their, them, themselves, their selves. I really don't. This guy, Milley or Miley, he has people leaking on his behalf like he can't believe. Well, he advised Biden to do that. Okay, then resign. Resign. Resign, tough guy. Resign. The intelligence services, we told by, then resign. Get out. You're not needed. You're not wanted. You're not needed and you're not wanted. And the press, what a joke. What a disgusting joke the media are. Attacking Donald Trump? Do you understand how obsessively sick and unhinged you are in the media? They don't care about the girls and the women either. They could give a damn about the girls and the women. This Nicole Wallace, she should be sent packing. But low, there's nothing too low for MSNBC and CNN. Nothing too low. There just isn't. Nothing too low. That whole region of the world now has been turned upside down against us. Does anybody believe the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and the other barbarians are going to leave Pakistan alone with its nuclear weapons? 
Does anybody believe that China isn't going to continue to exploit the situation to try and overpower us as a superpower? Anybody? Does anybody believe that when through this president and through his defense secretary and through his secretary of state and so forth, when they draw a red line, does anybody believe that any of our enemies are going to believe it? They just made this world a thousand times more dangerous for we, the American people. What are we doing 7,000 miles away? What do you mean, what are we doing 7,000 miles away? It's 7,000 miles away to keep them away from our cities and our homes and our communities. We're very fortunate, we're very lucky that we're on this continent, that we have an ocean on both sides. But given technology and given weapons, you saw 9-11, even given rudimentary, rudimentary acts by terrorists, they have the potential to slaughter a lot of Americans. And as I speak tonight, the southern border is as open as it's ever been. And I am waiting, and I am waiting for the Republicans to demand that he close the damn thing. First the pandemic and the virus. Now the potential terrorism. And if he won't close the damn thing, then impeach his ass. I know you don't have the numbers, but it's time to say it. I'll be right back. Lovin. Trump never did pull all of our troops out of Iraq. He never did pull all of our troops out of Syria. He came under attack uh, from, uh, from some in his own party, some of the media. Uh, 2,500 non-combatants in Afghanistan. If I were to tell you today, we'll put in 2,500 non-combatants, federal contractors to support the Afghan uh, helicopters and so forth and keep our air base to pound the crap out of them when they get out of line. I think most of you would say, that's a good bargain. Well, that's what we had. NATO had six or 7,000 troops, mostly non-combat as well. And yes, the Afghan military was doing the bulk of the fighting. And the latest number I saw is they lost 69,000 men. Which is more than we lost in Vietnam, which was horrific enough. Horrific enough. When we come back, I want to play for you Matt Lee of the Associated Press. who has been covering the State Department for a very long time. And one of the reasons I like this man is because he's a real journalist. I don't know his ideology. I don't even know if he has one. But he's an old-time journalist is what he is. And he presses the State Department spokesperson, as few other journalists can. Though I have to say the, the female reporter, whose name I do not know, was quite aggressive and blunt with the State Department spokesperson as well. Basically, Biden is a coward who's thrown all these people in front of the train to try and figure out how to answer these questions while he's been hiding out. He's a... All right, I'll be right back. Mark 
McLovin Show, where we create the talking points. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Have you noticed how Biden and these throngs of Democrats seem to hate the Republicans more than they do the Taliban, Mr. Producer? You see in Biden's transparent face and cringing eyes and verbal gymnastics, what you see in Biden is passion and emotion when he's attacking Republicans. When he's accusing them of the worst kind of offenses, like trying to have real laws with integrity in place so there isn't voting fraud. And he'll give speeches and he's not at Camp David, he's not hiding in his basement and he'll go out there and he'll pound away and pound away and pound away. And then when it comes to the Taliban, almost nothing. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran. He sells out to them. The genocidal regime in Beijing, he cowers to them. We've taken a, a thuggish street politician who cheated his way through law school, who was a horrible senator, a disastrous vice president, shovel-ready jobs, ISIS, whatever you want to say. And the establishment, the establishment puts him in the Oval Office. The media, Democrat Party, where he does all the bidding of the American Marxists. What you are witnessing is the, not slow and steady anymore, but the fast and tumultuous destruction of the American experiment. And like you, many of you, it's hard to sleep at night, isn't it? Thinking about this? Sleeping is very difficult. Many of you are going to be sending your kids off to elementary school or middle school or high school. You're going to be sending your kids off to colleges or universities for the first time or again. And you know what awaits them. You know what awaits them. You watch television, depending on what channels you watch. You know what they're going to say before they say it. You know that you're going to face a media that advances these various American Marxist agendas. And that censors news they don't like. Whether it's Hunter Biden's laptop or whatever it is. You also know that they will affirmatively lie to you so they're so corrupt, like Russia collusion. You know this. And when you're hollowing out a country from within, you weaken the country from without. If your only resolve is to destroy the American system and to do it self-righteously, you can't expect any better 
when it comes to foreign policy. Every step this president has taken in foreign policy has been insane. Every step he's taken on the border, insane. The spending bills, insane. The pushing of racism, transgenderism as an ideology. And the degrowth movement is climate change. Which is a war on capitalism, a war on our prosperity, a war on our creation of wealth and our liberty. It's insane, but it's happening. Right before your eyes. What happened in Afghanistan did not have to happen. What's happening on the border does not have to happen. What's happening with inflation was created by the man in the Oval Office and his Congress. These things did not have to happen. And then enshrining critical race theory with executive orders, enshrining the transgender movement, it has a movement, signing on to deals that weaken the American economy and will make you poor, talking like Marxists about getting the rich, redistributing wealth, class warfare, race warfare, gender warfare, massive expansion of the welfare state, massive assault on the limits of central government under our constitutional system. Well, what do you call it? We have to arm ourselves with knowledge, with information, so we can pass it on to our fellow citizens. That's the only hope, really. 19 of the Republicans sold us out, and I'm never going to forget them. 19 of them. The creepy left media, they all plagiarize from each other. Here is Todd Niekirk. Niekirk, Niekirk, hillreporter.com. Now, the owner of the Hill is constantly emailing me, trying to push stories, even wanted me to write op-eds. I ignore him. But Todd Niekirk, there he is, with the hillreporter.com. Maybe it's a different company. I don't know. Oops, I'm told it is. Sorry, owner of the Hill. Apologize to you. Anyway, Fox is Mark Levin. The country's less free than it was before the American Revolution. So they have four people who tweeted. Every night, Fox personalities like Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and Laura Ingram say ridiculous things. But radio host Mark Levin often outcrazies all of them. This happened again. Again? Recently, when Levin talked about freedom during a recent broadcast, according to the Fox host, the country is less free than it was prior to the American Revolution. And here's what I said. And it's just a piece of it they have. The entire hour is ignored. Just a piece of it. Look at representation. Do we have representation today? Have you tried to meet your member of Congress lately? It's impossible. And if you meet your representative, what do you tell them? You're passing 2,700 pages on the spending bills in the middle of the night. You have no idea what's in those bills. That's less liberty than you had when we didn't have representation. Because what happens here is is that you get to vote, but you don't get to know anything. Yes, we were freer before the American Revolution than we are today. And then he regurgitates what two or three other low-IQ buffoons said on Twitter. But Yahoo News found it very important. There was plenty of criticism for Levin's ridiculous take, but the best came from, our, from author Bryn Tannenhill. Bryn Tannenhill. 
She's a genius. Who is she? I don't know. Maybe if you leave out slaves and women and Native Americans getting smallpox blankets and indentured servants, you guys want to go back to that, don't you? Question mark. Now, she has been viciously attacking Trump supporters, I saw, viciously attacking Trump. He's a fascist, don't you know? So that is her ideology. She's part of this, in my view, American Marxism. I don't care if she served in the military or not. Who cares? If you're pushing American Marxism, who cares? The point isn't what you did for us in the military. The point is what you're doing to us today, internally, as a citizen. So they miss the point completely because they're morons. They're obsessive, fanatical ideologues. So they're defending the rise of American Marxism and these, these integrated movements. The issue is the civil society in our form of government. Not slavery, not women, not Native Americans, not smallpox blankets, not every issue that the left throws up. The issue is the civil society and republicanism and the Constitution. You do believe in that, don't you, Bryn? If that is your name? Cassandra of Troy, she calls herself. Is that Troy, Michigan? I don't know. So, too stupid to even understand the point. What are you talking about? Freer than slaves and Native Americans and blood? I'm not talking about that. But it doesn't matter. Because as I said the other day, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. That's what American Marxism is for. The book. It's not for those who facilitate American Marxism or of themselves or of these various movements, one or the other. It's for people who love this country. The people who love the Constitution. People who love the Declaration of Independence. People who love the founders who founded this great nation. And I notice none of its critics ever leave. Well, they, there's a country they can go to right now, Mr. But it's called Afghanistan. There's a wonderland, don't you think? There's another one, Cuba. Cuba. Why do you call it Cuba? Because Bernie Sanders does the idiot. That's why. So many paradises out there for the American Marxists to go to. For those who hate America. But this is our paradise. And we intend to protect it. With knowledge and information and activism. That's why I'm encouraging as many of you as humanly possible to acquire copies of American Marxism. If you have a copy, share it for God's sakes. If you have children, have them read it for crying out loud. It's a book. It's a book. Pamphlets can save America. Pamphlets can destroy America. Or any society for that matter. Ideas matter. So I want to encourage as many of you as possible to please acquire your copies of American Marxism. Things will be understandable. You won't like them, but they'll be understandable. And then we act. And then we act. And that's the last chapter. Lawfully, civilly, but we act. Please jump in. We need you. We need as many patriots as possible. Please jump in. Please. Teach your children. Please pass it along to them. They're going to need to be immunized from what they're going to face. This I know. 
I hear it all the time. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, here is Matt Lee, AP at the State Department press briefing today, following up with Spokes idiot Ned Price on the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. Cut 11, go. So we do not have an American presence uh, on the ground. Is there any presence? We do not have an. We do not have an American presence on the ground uh, at the embassy. Uh, our ambassador uh, uh, is and has been uh, at the embassy uh, at the compound, uh, the Hamid Karzai International Airport, uh, since. Um, late last night, our time, uh, and that remains the case. Yeah, but there, so there isn't any protecting power. There's nobody there. It's wide open for anyone who wants to go in there. As you Regardless know, of whether it's in a, in a built-up, barricaded area or not, you basically just took off and left it empty. As you know, it is a heavily fortified uh, area. Wow. Just took off. Just took off. And left everybody behind, and now they're having to send in combat troops, the 82nd Airborne, among others, to try and get our people out. And I pray for the 30 or 40,000 Afghans who were left behind who are going to be slaughtered. And I pray for the women and the little girls who are going to be abused on a massive scale. And I pray for those already, some of the video you can see online, who've been beaten, who've been murdered. I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, none of this had to happen. None of it. It really is a heartbreak. I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Glad you stayed around. I I don't think you'll be disappointed. Our number, 877-381-3811, Tomorrow morning, 8.40 a.m., I will be on Fox and Friends on Fox. That's 8.40 a.m. Eastern Time. 8.40 a.m. Eastern Time, I'll be Fox and Friends. Set your alarms, by all means. And I hope to see you then. I want to read something to you. It'll make sense to you after I'm done. Perhaps even before that. This is March 29, 1792. James Madison's writing about property rights. Very important. I put it in one of my books. Just, just take a few minutes and listen. Just a few minutes out of the evening. Property. This term in... Its particular application means that dominion which one man claims and exercises over the external things of the world, an exclusion of every other individual. In its larger, injuster meaning, it embraces everything to which a man may attach a value and have a right, and which leaves to everyone else the like advantage. In the former sense, a man's land or merchandise or money is called his property. 
In the latter sense, a man has a property in his opinions and the free communication of them. In his opinions and the free communication of them. He has a property of peculiar value in his religious opinions and in the profession and practice dictated by them. He has a property very dear to him in the safety and liberty of his person. The safety and liberty of his person. He has an equal property in the free use of his faculties and free choice of objectives on which to employ them. In a word, a man is said to have a right to his property. He may be equally said to have a property in his rights. Where an excess of power prevails, property of no sort is duly respected. We've talked about the Supreme Court decision and how Joe Biden rejects the right of people to own property because they're dictating that you can't actually use your property for rental because you don't get any rental payments. But he's also talking about your own body, the circle of liberty around you. Government is instituted to protect property of every sort, as well that which lies in various rights of individuals, as that which the term particularly expresses. This being the end of government, that is the purpose of government, that alone is a just government, which impartially secures to every man whatever is his own. According to this standard of merit, the praise of affording a just securing to property should be sparingly bestowed on a government, which, however scrupulously guarding the possessions of the individuals, does not protect them in the enjoyment and communication of their opinions, in which they have an equal, and in the estimation of some, a more valuable property. Speech. Speech. More sparingly should this praise be allowed to a government, where man's religious rights are violated by penalties, or fettered by tests, or taxed by a hierarchy. Conscience is the most sacred of all property. Other property depending in part on positive law, the exercise of that being a natural and unalienable right. To guard a property depending in part on positive law. Man's house as his castle. To pay public and enforce private debts, which the most exact faith can give no title to invade a man's conscience, which is more sacred than his castle. That is not a just government, nor is property secure under it, where the property which a man has in his personal safety and personal liberty is violated by arbitrary seizures of one class of citizens for the service of the rest. A magistrate issuing his warrants to a press gang would be in his proper functions in Turkey or Indostan under applications, appellations, proverbial of the most complete despotism. That is not a just government, nor is property secure under it, where arbitrary restrictions, exemptions, and monopolies denied a part of its citizens that free use of their faculties and free choice of their occupations, which not only constitute their property in the general sense of the word, but are the means of acquiring property strictly so-called. What must be the spirit of legislation where a manufacturer of linen cloth is forbidden to bury his own child in linen shroud 
in order to favor his neighbor who manufactures woolen cloth. Where the manufacture and wear of woolen cloth are again forbidden, the economical use of buttons of that material in favor of the manufacture of buttons of other materials. A just security of to property is not afforded by that government under which unequal taxes oppress one species of property and reward another species, where arbitrary taxes invade the domestic sanctuaries of the rich and excessive taxes grind the faces of the poor, where the keenness and competitions of want are deemed an insufficient spur to labor and taxes are again applied. In other words, people who don't want to work and won't work, and yet you tax somebody to subsidize them. If there be a government which prides itself in maintaining the inviolability of property, which provides that none shall be taken directly, even for public use, without indemnification to the owner, and we have a takings clause in the Constitution which is ignored, and yet directly violates the property which individuals in their opinions, their religion, their persons, and their faculties, nay more which indirectly violates their property in their actual possessions, in the labor that acquires their daily sustenance, and in the hollowed remnant of time which ought to relieve their fatigues and soothe their cares. The inference will have been anticipated that such a government is not a pattern for the United States. If the United States mean to obtain or deserve the full praise due to wise and just governments, They will equally respect the rights of property and the property in rights. They will rival the government that most sacredly guards the former and by repelling its example and violating the latter will make themselves a pattern to that and all other governments. What do you think James Madison would say about these governors, Mr. Producer? This is what, what's the woman's name? Bryn somebody or other? Bryn Talabani? Was that her name? Sounds like that. Bryn Talabani. Whatever. This is what they don't get. And they don't care. Because it's James Madison. Genius. You not only have property rights in physical property. You have property rights in your speech. In your endeavors. In your body. In your faith. Every single one of those is under attack. It's come to the fore as a result of the virus. But every single one of those property rights. They're all under attack. Every single one of them. And so when the fool from Austria, Schwarzenegger, when he says, forget about your liberty, he's a throwback to his father's homeland. When Fauci says, you've got to put your personal liberties aside, for what exactly? For what exactly? And yet, the people who seek to impose their will on us, whether they use science or reason, and typically they don't, because they know neither, 
They are furious if you ever try to interfere in their liberty. You can't interfere in their liberty, but no, 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 no. Those are rights. Those are enshrined. No, that's their agenda. Those aren't rights. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. Those are rights. Those are rights. So when the founders talk about property, clearly they were talking about physical and material property, but they were talking about a whole lot more than that. The way I explained it in Liberty and Tyranny was property, whether it's intellectual or physical, that is material, represents the, an extent to which you apply the limited number of minutes you have on this earth to creating something, to acquiring something, to inventing something. And so when somebody steps in and says, you're too successful, you earned a million dollars and we want half of it. Because all these other people didn't earn a million dollars. And why do you have a right to it? That is an attack. On your personhood. That is an attack on your humanity. It's not just material. This is why Marx was so full of it. It's not just material. Redistributing wealth means redistributing your labor, your intellectual and physical labor that you applied to something. It's an intrusion into your life. It's an intrusion into your personhood. We have people tonight who are driving 18-wheelers across this country to feed us and to do so many other things. And we have people tonight who are sitting on their butts and have sat on their butts for the last several months collecting government checks. Madison, Locke, Smith, Burke, and on and on and on. What would they say? That's an abomination. That's an abomination. So you don't pay enough taxes, you see. You don't pay enough taxes. You're supposed to pay taxes to meet the basic and elemental needs of our supposedly limited and dispersed government. That's not it anymore. Redistributing wealth, class warfare, Marx's ideology, whether soft or hard, that's the basis for taxation. You see my point, Mr. Producer? It's not... Infrastructure, we need some roads, you know, common land. No, no, it's human infrastructure. And it's a right. You have a right to free health care. Now, of course, doctors, nurses, janitors at hospitals, secretaries, administrators, uh, your right means that they are your indentured servants because they have to serve at your demand. And yet we know this is a lie. Every communist regime... You don't have a right to anything. That's all BS. Plus you can't produce anything. 
except poverty. And a true class system. Anyway, I thought you'd find that interesting. There's Madison, brilliant as always. One other comment, by the way, I've been updated by my publisher about Hudson Books and the airports. Hudson initiated a reorder this morning. They're pushing copies into more locations. Um, And American Marxism will be in the new release sections of the stores that uh, don't necessarily have them in the new release section. Some of the stores, they said, were sold out and should be getting more soon. So we want to thank Hudson. I was not anxious to lead a boycott against these Hudson stores in the airports. But look, what's fair is fair. Let people decide what they want to read and how you can pretend the number one New York Times best-selling book for an entire month that sits there at number one on Amazon.com that has sold over 800,000 copies, doesn't deserve to be on a shelf, is ridiculous. Michelle Obama's still on a shelf. You believe that? I do. Anyway, uh, credit where credit's due for Hudson. And so... uh, And so the next time at an airport, I'll walk into a Hudson. You never know. Maybe I'll need some chewing gum or something. I'll be right back. You know, ladies and gentlemen, when I was a relatively young man, teenager in fact, and the fall of South Vietnam and those horrible scenes. And I was just a teenager. And I could remember a big debate going on, whether or not we should allow the boat people who were trying to escape Vietnam and communism to come to the United States, whether we should accept a significant number of refugees from Vietnam. And I was in the minority. I said, yes. Yes, we should accept the refugees from Vietnam. You don't go into a country for a decade or more, lose over 50,000 men, and God knows how many other casualties. Fighting on behalf of people, fighting on behalf of a principle, and then pretend they don't exist. Any fighting man or fighting woman will tell you that. They've told me that. And I knew as a teenager. Now look at Afghanistan. Tens of thousands of of Afghans are trying to escape the Taliban. The vast majority are not going to succeed. But most of them put their lives on the line to work with us. And we asked for their help. And we needed their help. And we befriended them. Because we went into Afghanistan to protect our country against what happened on 9-11. Red-blooded Americans from all over this country joined the military to get bin Laden and to make sure this wouldn't happen again. 
So now I'm hearing that it's a choice between American citizens in Afghanistan and Afghan refugees. That American citizens come first and Afghan refugees? Who cares? Well, of course American citizens come first. But what's this who cares stuff? What is this who cares stuff? I care. I care. You don't turn on your allies like this. You don't turn on your friends like this. You don't turn on people who helped us and we helped them, of course. No, you don't. So, of course, get the Americans out. But yes, yes, we accept Afghan refugees. Talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811. You know, when you're, when you're in a war or combat and you have allies and you have partners, it's not the same thing as people pouring over the southern border. Because they can. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. I just think we're going to regret so much of this one day. It is just so painful to watch this. It's like painful to watch what's happening in our schools. Painful to watch what's happening on the border. Painful to watch all these things. Because you know the outcome. And you can see the outcome. They're manifest. There they are, right in front of your eyes. Well, we can't vet all the people coming from Afghanistan, really. Well, we're not vetting anybody coming over the southern border. Not that that makes it right. But we actually do know most of the people and their names, their identities. The people, they talk in these, these platitudes. 20-year war. That's not the 20-year Hot war. We haven't had combat troops there since 2014 and the 20-year war. Oh, okay. What are we doing there? We shouldn't be rebuilding the place. There's 2,500 men there. We're not rebuilding the place. Look, I'm not going to relitigate this. I'm just saying you're hearing things that are not true. Well, they wouldn't fight, Biden says and others. But they did. They lost 69,000 people in battle. 69,000. It's a lot of people. So I, I just can't be part of the sheep mentality, ladies and gentlemen. I have to think for myself, and I want you to think for yourself, too. That doesn't mean you'll agree with me. You don't have to agree with me on anything. I'm just saying you have to think for yourself. It doesn't matter really what I say or somebody else says. Just think it through, using your morality, using your faith, using your logic, using your reason, even your gut. And you'll tend to come out the right way. You'll tend to come out the right way. But these are true refugees. These aren't people escaping poverty or even crime. These are people who are going to be slaughtered, many of whom worked with us closely. 
I don't understand how people can have such cold ice water in their veins. I don't understand it. We believe in life, you and me. We believe in life. Well, uh, Mr. Producer, I haven't taken a single call, but I've got more to do, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry. Nicole Wallace was a Republican. She was a Romney-McCain Republican, and you know how they are. She now is proud of being a radical left nutjob Democrat. She makes a lot of money doing it with a very small audience, but she's a very stupid birthing person. Very stupid. That's OMB lingo, by the way. And she's on with Brian Williams, who had to take a six-month sabbatical because, well, because he lied repeatedly. But that's okay. At least he's not Jeffrey Tubin who dropped his pants, but he's back too. Oh, don't you love our journalists, America? Cut 12, go. That was a consequential speech by an American president. Now, obviously, they're talking about Biden's speech the other day. This is, it's almost comedy. All right, start over, please. Cut 12, go. That was a consequential speech by an American president at a consequential time to quote toward the end. I am the president of the United States. The buck stops with me earlier. Joe Biden saying I stand squarely behind my decision. And I'd love to hear you out on the current split between the press and public, the two audiences that will hear and view this speech and the president's choice to go hard with his own decision-making? Well, I'm going to say two things, and, and um, I, both hard to say, but I, I'll say them anyway, because here we are. Um, 95% of the American people will agree with everything he just said. 95% of the press covering this White House will disagree. And for an American... And of course she has it opposite, because she's in a bubble, and she's a sellout, and now a propagandist. The vast majority of the Americans, who aren't like hardcore base Democrats, thought it was an outrageously poor speech, pathetic speech for a president of the United States. And most of the media like it. Particularly if you work at MSNBC or CNN or the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. Go ahead. And to finally be completely aligned with such an overwhelming majority of what the American people think about Afghanistan is probably a tremendous relief to the American people. Well, of course it's not. The polling has gone south on Biden because they only talk in political terms, these people, so I'll deal with it. And now more, a greater percentage of the American people do not approve of this withdrawal, let alone the way this withdrawal took place, than who do. Now, Matt Zeller is a former CIA analyst on MSNBC, and he responded to this yesterday listening to Brian Williams and Nicole Wallace. Cut 13, go. I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president. Didn't run from it. He owned it. He owned his decision. He owned the fact that, as he put it, the buck stops with him. I hope he gets to own their deaths, too. I, I don't I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound, bold-faced lie in that speech. The idea that we planned for every contingency, 
I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks that we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. Stop. So former top CIA analysts, those who are saying, we don't know who all these refugees are. We know who a tremendous number of them are. They're in our system. Computer system. Military system. As you just heard him say. Go ahead. He claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan military should be blamed for this, do you know how many casualties the Afghan military took in an average year? More than the United States did in 20. When you're not getting paid on a regular basis, when you're not getting fuel, when no one is supplying you with ammunition, and yet you're still showing up to the fight, how dare us for having to blame these people for not having the audacity to be able to survive a Taliban onslaught? No, no, no. What we need to be doing right now and what I am appalled that the president didn't say was we need to be talking about how we're going to get every single one of these people out. Not that much different from uh, the commander of British forces who I had on this program last night, a friend of mine, retired Colonel Richard Kemp. He said, why do people keep saying they wouldn't fight? They fought like hell. It's not the greatest army, but they took the bulk of the casualties. And even at the beginning of the Taliban push at the end here, they were fighting until we pulled out of our major air base and pulled out our federal contractors so nobody was available to maintain their helicopters. Well, why didn't they? That's not what they were trained to do. And they were running out of ammunition. But look at all the weapons that were left talking about the fighters, particularly the special forces. Their special forces were tough. Tough. Clarissa Ward, a CNN reporter in Afghanistan, not Nicole Wallace or Brian Williams, who of course have their asses firmly planted in an air-conditioned building in the United States. Cut 15, go. If you've heard anything from the people on the streets there, did they even know what happened? Not so much from people on the streets, but I have been having conversations throughout the morning, uh, particularly with people who are trying to leave the country. I think for them, you know, President Biden's speech was not reassuring. I think a lot of people felt disappointed by it. They felt that there were hollow words. They don't any longer really trust or believe in the U.S.'s commitment to the people of Afghanistan. Don't forget, it was one week ago. The U.S. was saying, we're not shutting the embassy. It's still open. The message is enduring partnership. Fast forward five or six days, and suddenly everyone's being evacuated. Atia Abawi, foreign correspondent, on MSNBC today. Cut 16, go. What do you think of the Taliban's promises today that women can be in government as long as they obey Sharia law? 
promises, they've made many promises that they've broken in the past. Um, it's it, Time will tell if they will keep these promises, but if history has taught us anything about the Taliban regime, including in 1996, they came in promising uh, to protect the people from the brutal civil war prior uh, to the Taliban regime. And from 96 to 2001, that drastically changed. That drastically changed. Um, women are terrified. When I talk to the men on the ground, they're about to lose a lot of freedoms than themselves. And they know that. But they're not as terrified as the women that I speak to. Uh, I just heard from uh, someone that they are trying desperately to get a woman who is in charge of a women's shelter. She helped battered Afghan women. Uh, and the Taliban came to her shelter and said, this is a brothel. Stop. I'm talking to female politicians who want to leave the country, but the Taliban have put guards outside of their door so they can't leave. The fear right now is that once the media is gone, the attention's gone, the Americans are gone, the last plane leaves Kabul, what's going to happen then? The Taliban are outside of their houses, literally waiting for us to leave. And it's terrifying for me to watch, for us to watch. Imagine being that woman sitting in that house, counting the clock. Imagine that, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine that. Much of what I'm playing for you is not even being played on some cable shows. Why is that? They say you should know the truth. Why is that? You know, I'll just say this, because I'm, I'm running late. If the French had taken the position during our Revolutionary War that our war with Britain was our problem, that these are outsiders, who cares about them? If they had said such things, we would have lost the Revolutionary War. We would have lost the Revolutionary War. And as a result of the French coming to our assistance, They really lost their empire. They nearly went bankrupt. Through so much of our history, we need allies too. We need allies too. It just can't, as a matter of humanity and as a matter of strategy, you just can't treat people this way. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. By the way, I do want to thank all the retailers who are reordering the book and are putting it on their end cap. They call it Sam's Club today. Just did the same thing. We want to thank them. Uh, and uh, as have all the other retailers, quite frankly. We want to thank Amazon, which has done exactly the same thing. There's now 1.1 million books in print. So those of you who don't have it, it's there for the taking. Let's go to Beth. I don't know how to, where, where, you're from Hereford, Arizona, on the Mark Levin app, it appears. How are you, Beth? I'm doing really good, and you, Mark? Very well, thank you. Did I pronounce that correctly? 
It's Hereford. I knew it, darn it. Hereford. I'm sorry. It was, I, I was multiple That's choice, okay. and I got it wrong. That's okay. I'm about 12 miles south of Sierra Vista, which is where Fort Huachuca, home of the Buffalo Soldiers, is. Mm-hmm. Military intelligence training. Boy, you're really now, out there so. in the boonies a bit, aren't you? I am. Okay. <laughs> My What's up? My question is, and yeah. I've, I've, I work from home, and so I listen all day long, but if I'm on a call, I can't always hear. Mm-hmm. But if we close the base in Afghanistan, why did we leave all the equipment and all the vehicles? Why wasn't that taken? Is that another backdoor deal? For- no, it's because they, uh, they didn't plan properly. They did not plan property. They did not work with our allies. This is uh, honestly the worst screw-up and surrender that I've ever seen. It's a surrender. They didn't defeat us. Biden surrendered. Hang on. We want your address. We're going to send you a signed copy of American Marxism. Mr. Calls, we're going to get Mary's number. I meant to get Mary, too. We'll call her tomorrow. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel on all of you folks who serve this country. I'll see you tomorrow on Fox, 8.40 p.m. a.m. Eastern.